Hello and welcome to another edition of the Modern Times Podcast, Political Profundity with John Guzon and Karen Weil. Today we're going to be talking about um, the weekend of violence that just passed, uh, specifically what happened in Gilroy, California. Then we're going to be jumping over to um, what happened after the Robert Mueller testimony in front of Congress, and that there might seem to be some movement for impeachment, at least they're moving forward with it. Um, And then uh, we're going to jump into uh, the intelligence community and uh, Dan uh, Coates' departure. Um, We're going to go across the pond to the UK and discuss Boris Johnson becoming the new UK Prime Minister. And then finally, we're going to go to um, Donald Trump's um, week um, and his weekend uh, trashing Baltimore and uh, Representative Elijah Cummings, who also happens to be the chairman of the Oversight Committee, um, and whether um, that is connected or whether he just wanted to go on a racist tirade, we'll discuss that. Um, Karen, let's jump right in with both feet and get on to what's going on in um, the United States with some of these violent um, outbursts that have happened and what's gone on in Gilroy, California. People should be able to go to something like this and enjoy themselves and not be scared to death that someone with a gun, an AK-47, allegedly, that he purchased in my home state, Nevada, which I take no pleasure in saying, uh, especially this is a state, as we know, two years ago, almost was the home of, to this day, the worst mass shooting in U.S. history Mm -hmm. at the Route 91 concert. Um... But you can still, unfortunately, buy a whole lot of guns there without, apparently, enough of a background check. Right. And it, it just astounds you that it just... I, I was talking with a close friend of mine this morning, said no place is safe. And obviously, we've seen this play out so many times. Movie theaters aren't. Concerts aren't. Uh, schools, of course. Synagogues aren't. We discussed a shooting that took place in the community uh, where yeah. I live. Yeah, churches, uh, that, bars. They the life of uh, one woman and several other people seriously injured. Um, it, but we've seen attacks on mosques, on churches, on other types of uh, places of worship where people go to find peace and comfort and emotional support and strength to get through the day and, and rejoice in their spiritual beliefs, whatever those may be. It just, you you know, you, you try to somehow accept that this is the new normal, but man, that's an awfully tough hill to have to climb. And it's, it just makes you sick because this shouldn't be happening. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, of course, sadly, Gilroy wasn't the only place where needless gun violence occurred. Over the weekend in Chicago, a city, a great city that I love and have been to, but clearly has some issues with this for sure. Uh, It was another weekend where nine people were shot dead. Now, these were not mass shootings, but nevertheless, they're completely needless, you know, deaths of people, some of which there may have been either an altercation beforehand or or maybe they were just standing in the wrong place at the wrong time. But nine people are dead now. Uh, then you have uh, 39 who were wounded there. And again, there's just not one focal point of this that occurred in different parts of the city. But nevertheless, it's it just makes you want to 
you know, scream somewhere out loud because you just think, why is this happening? And, you know, there are many reasons why, but there was in, in Southwest Philadelphia, uh, there was a, a shootout at a, of all things, a video uh, taping for a music video where a rapper named Bankroll Gambino, who I've not heard of, but perhaps he was well-known in Philadelphia, where he was killed. And there were six shooting victims. And again, this is, you know, they're, they're making a music video. Why on, else, why on earth should this be happening? And yes, you know, we all know about the rap culture, some of it, and, and sadly, the connection, fairly or not, to, to violence and, and sort of glorifying it, uh, among some other problems within that that world. But, of course, that certainly doesn't identify all rap artists, and there are many with very positive messages today who, who make incredible music and are doing good things in their communities. And sadly, when something like this happens, it it, it tends to overshadow that, the more positive aspects of, of that of that world. Um, so again, you know, you've got one guy who's dead, you've got people who were hurt for something that should have been, yeah, again, supposed to be something for entertainment. Guys making a music video for people to enjoy. I, yeah, I just, we, we sadly, I just don't think as a, as a country that people are really coming to terms with gun violence and how pervasive it is anymore. And I really hope we never do truly get used to any of this. Now, there are always going to be people who commit crimes and they're, you know, we're not going to live in a world like uh, a Minority Report or or uh, what's another film I can think of uh, that sort of has a somewhat thoughtful or sardonic look at trying to prevent violence like um, Demolition, Demolition Man, which is an early 90s film with Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes, and you know, but you're just—we're never going to have that because human nature, being what it is. But at, at some point, you know, people are just going to have to have—you know—people in communities are going to have to try to find more constructive ways for people to handle conflict with one another, and certainly whether or not our laws are adequate enough to make sure somebody like this creep who got an AK-47. You know, there's, there's got to be ways to sort of stop that from happening or at least lessen the opportunities for people who clearly should not have guns to get them when their intent is to commit harm. And that's those are my thoughts on it. And I just my heart goes out to all the victims and, you know, the people of those communities, be it Gilroy, Philadelphia, Chicago, all of them deserve so much better than this. Agreed. Um, yeah. Are you ready to move on to uh, Robert Mueller? Yeah. So, what do you think about that? <laughs> well, as we know, for what seems now a million years ago, Robert Mueller testified before the House Judiciary Committee and Intelligence Committee, and gave what I thought was a very sober, low-key but extraordinarily important uh, testimony on. These facts, and sorry Trump supporters, but these are the facts, that the Russians interfere in the election to benefit Donald Trump. And if, you know, you're hearing the right-wing conspiracy that this was all about benefiting Hillary, well, if that's the case, she sure as hell screwed that up, didn't she? Um, 
that Donald Trump when the investigation began, which started, by the way, when he fired James Comey. So, you know, Donald Trump, for the 10th million time, brought this on himself because he's so arrogant and so reckless and so stupid and so full of contempt for the American way of life and its rule of law that he does not understand or respect any processes involved in that. Uh, the former, the latter, I should say, um, that during this investigation that Mueller's team did, that they found Trump obstructed just, uh, justice in regards to it on numerous occasions, that he told numerous untruths, including the one about his sons meeting with people in Trump Tower back in, you know, summer 2016 over, quote, unquote, Russian adoption, which I don't know about you, John, but I'm sorry. I just don't believe they give a damn about whether or not people can adopt Russian children. And with all due respect to people who have, and God bless them all for doing so. But um, And above all, that Trump did not cooperate with Mueller in terms of not sitting down with him, and the answers he gave, the written ones, were insufficient at best. So despite the hot mainstream media take that happened that day that, oh, this was a dud. There were no theatrics. There was no smoking gun. Well, to all of those people, I'd say, guess what? That's not the point of it. The point of the matter is, is what Mueller said. And that came through loud and clear. And that is why, despite all their efforts, the GOP congressmen, nearly all of them embarrassed themselves greatly. I'm not saying every Democrat asked the greatest questions. They didn't. Some did better than others, but otherwise, and their attempts to sort of smear Mueller, I don't think worked all that well. Uh, now, there are some arguments as to whether was Mueller really feeling that well that day? Did he really come off that well? Did he seem a little shaky at times? You, know, you could say, you know, maybe he wasn't. Uh, the man is 70-something years old now, and I think another observation I have on it is that the whole, on the part of progressives and, and the anti-Trump crowd, that this idea that Mueller was going to come in and save all of us and get rid of Trump immediately, I'm sorry, all of that was fantasy. Donald Trump is a, a cornered animal, and he will do whatever is necessary to try to save himself, and he does not care who he hurts in doing that. So the, the idea that this report, which when it what, what did come out, it was heavily redacted, was going to be enough to drive him from office was, you know, naive at best. Now, rest assured, if this were a Democratic president, he or she would already be gone because the drumbeats for the, them to leave would have been deafening. And most of the mainstream media happily would have played a role in that, which leads me to make my next point, And I take no pleasure in saying this, but there are certainly corporate elements of the mainstream media I believe, and I'm sorry to say it, want Trump reelected, all because of ratings and clicks, which is irresponsible beyond any comprehension. Now, that I want to say also that I am not comparing them to the hundreds of hardworking journalists in D.C. who every day write incredible stories exposing the corruption of this administration and, you know, pretty much driving home the fact that Trump obstructed justice and broke the law many times over in terms of the whole Russian connection. But but clearly you have corporate elements that, that are happy to go ahead and trash Robert Mueller or downplay his efforts. And it, it just, uh, it, it's, it's maddening. It's, 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 
disgusting, although I would urge people to tune that out. And all you have to do is read the reports or listen to the whole testimony that Mueller gave. And you'll you'll find a lot of very solid, you know, a lot of solid information in it. And I think, frankly, that's why Trump was freaking out when he, you know, it's so funny, if you might recall, the week before when Mueller was supposed to testify and did not, that, you know, Trump went ahead and held a rally, which made him look especially stupid, because if that was the attempt to divert, that also didn't work. Um, but I, I think another, to me, another main point of all of this, John, Mueller is a decent man with incredible integrity, who did everything that he could, considering the restraints around him, to investigate this lawless individual. The problem is, is he's an institutionalist from another time, and that isn't his fault. I have been saying this over and over again. The sad reality is our civic and governmental institutions were not prepared for somebody as venal, as reckless, as immoral, and lawless as Donald Trump coming into the presidency. Now, the good news is it seems like some of those institutions are slowly but surely starting to strengthen, but we paid a terrible price in the meantime for it. And those are my thoughts on, you know, this whole past crazy week and, um, and, you know, the aftermath of it. Can I ask you, um, you know, you kind of made an allegation there that you thought that a lot of corporate interests want to see Donald Trump reelected. Can you kind of expound on that for me and let me, you know, well, I mean, you look at, how do you, you look see at, that? You, and, I, I will. I'm happy to explain it, John. You watch, and I'm not a fan of his, so I avoid Meet the Press with Chuck Todd, who I think basically is just a, a hack and then some. If you listen to this guy again, trashing Robert Mueller, not talking about the substance of what he said, it was just this was bad optics and bad theater. And you've just, again, you've got to wonder, what is the point of him doing that? I, I just, I, there are too many people, and I, I, he's not the only one. You had, now obviously Trump has turned on both of them, but you have the host of the Morning Joe program, Joe Scarborough, and Mika Berskinski on MSNBC, the supposedly liberal network, which, you know, only some of the programs on it are all that liberal. Certainly a lot of the coverage isn't, and nor should it be if it's straight news coverage. Um, but, you know, they enabled Trump for a year and a half, gave him all kinds of airtime. I don't recall them having Hillary Clinton on, and maybe they had invited Mrs. Clinton, and she decided not to appear, which was a mistake on her part. If she didn't, I will just say that. But, you know, they enabled this, this guy. They gave him billions in free advertising. They certainly didn't do that with other, you know, Demo- with any Republican challengers as much, and certainly not with Hillary Clinton, maybe a little bit with Bernie Sanders, and that's only because Sanders was a very new quality at the time in terms of him running for president. Uh, but I'm sorry, you know, I'm sorry, John, they basically enabled Trump for a long time. And then, you know, like everything else, or like everybody else who gets close to this guy, you know, he turns on them. So that's my, that's my comment. I am not saying all parts of the media are doing this. Please don't get me wrong. It is some within the corporate mainstream media that I think would love to see Trump put another term, again, mainly for ratings and for clicks on their website. And to me, that's just not a good enough reason. I hope that answers your question. It does. Um, yeah. Would you like to hear my thoughts on it or do you just want to move on to our I, next topic? I talked enough and bored the hell out of everybody. It's your turn to enlighten us. and I'm sure you'll do much better. Ah, I don't know about that. 
Um, but, you know, as far as, you know, Joe and, you know, the whole morning Joe thing, I think a lot of people saw it as a sideshow and no one thought that he was going to win. So, and, and I think, you know, we've talked about this on this podcast before. Um, there was a Bob Stump that was here in Arizona that was a congressman for decades. And um, I thought the best thing I could do is, is highlight that um, a guy that was running under the name Bob Stump was really using his middle name is now who, who <laughs> what was Robert and he was running. No one seemed to pay attention. And, you know, I just think it's, you know, the electorate, ele- you know, elected him. I think that they feel some sort of guilt to that, which is why I think they hammer Trump so mercilessly this time. Um, you know, and I think, you know, you always kind of thought shining light on it is going to, is going to do more to defeat him, but that's not the case necessarily. Um, you know, and I think, you know, you know, clicks will always be there. I think views are always going to be there. I mean, you're a major news network. Um, you know, it's, I don't really think that that's how they make their money is by, is by having these things. And I, and I know it becomes a, uh, you know, an easy kind of scapegoat. They want clicks and views, but. Um, I don't know. I just, I, you know, I, I think people might support him for one way or another. Um, and you know, it might be that some corporate folks like, like those corporate tax breaks, but you know, it might be more than that, but I don't know. I, you know, I just, I, I don't, I really, what I think would happen with the optics. And I, I agree with you completely that people focused too much on delivery and the things I, I, I have on that is the first thing was, if you look at Mueller throughout his career, he kind of always talked like an old fuddy-duddy. And now he actually is one. So he actually has those intonations and it just makes him seem, it made him seem older. That's number one. And number two is I think there's something going on. And as what you heard, you know, met, you know, met either medically or, uh, you know, with him. Um, and I heard from some of those insiders, them saying, that that was the rumor and they were hearing that all the time. So I think the big thing was that a lot of these people in the know, like Chuck Todd and others, had a feeling that he was going to come out and look old. And they never said anything to anybody. And then when he did, they they it was like, you know, something that they had been thinking about for weeks or months and never let anybody else in on because they didn't have anything to say on it. And, and it's just not what they would do. And then later it just became one of those things like, oh, this is what we know because we kind of knew that. And just the fact that they weren't focused upon what was really important, just like the, you know, the Republican senators weren't. Um, and I really think a big miss was that the Democrats on the panel didn't want to call out people by saying they didn't directly rebut any Republican disinformation that was made. Um, it just kind of got glossed over and I, you know, I think they wanted to take the high road and that was fine, but that's why they kind of lost it in sound bites. And I think ultimately it's not going to matter as, as we've also talked about, I think what is really going to matter is now that the impeachment inquiry has been official grand jury testimony will be released and the whole Mueller report will be given to Congress. Um, and then when they actually call these witnesses and compel them to show up, Don McGahn, um, Jerry Kushner, whoever else, um, I think you're going to see a difference. And I think they're going to run the impeachment inquiry and then maybe formal impeachment through 2020. Um, and we might even, you know, get a vote on it, you know, right before the election. And it's it's different. And, I, you know, I, I think there's a lot more to go here. Things that aren't going to end. I think there's too much evidence you know what we you know we're going to talk about Dan Coats later what's going on national security is going to change 
But as far as the Mueller report specifically was, I think there was definitely bombs that he dropped. I mean, just saying that it's not a witch hunt and then, you know, and it, it's not a hoax. I mean, those were those were those were big enough bombs, I think, that people should have taken them for what they were. And again, I think it's 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 kind of that insider information, which is why they thought that it wasn't good theater. And and it was misplayed. I think that they got spun um, exactly the way, uh, you know, Republicans wanted to spin them. And they and, the, you know, it was it was it was a masterful set of spin. But the but the facts are still there. And I think a lot of people see it. I haven't seen any polls yet um, that have come out after that time. Um, I expect those later this week. Um, right. It will be like a week later. Um, yeah. So, you know, we should be seeing some polls by the end of this week um, and which which, you know, might be a little bit more indicative of, of, of really what the U.S. population thought. But, you know, um, we know the Trump base isn't going to be moved by any of this. And, you know, there was enough people there spouting disinformation, you know, worrying about Strzok and Page and all the rest of this stuff and the justification for the investigation um, which is pretty clear. Anybody who doesn't want to do it, I think, is 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 not really doesn't have the priorities of the U of the United States um, firmly in grasp. Um, and and like you said, I think you know I don't think they embarrass themselves to their base or their voters. They embarrass themselves to history. And you know anybody who's going to go back, you know, ten, fifteen, twenty, hundred years from now and look at some of the arguments that were made um, and how Republicans didn't do anything. I think are going to be ashamed. I think their families are going to be ashamed. It's it's just one of those, you know, that's that's really the way I see it. And, you know, whether we make it through this political time or not is a, a, a completely different matter. Um, but it's it's clear, I think, that, you know, we had talked about it on this podcast before, um, what the 6E and what the grand jury might do is really get to those heart of some of those issues and some of those questions that were asked. And I'll say it again, it seemed like the real intent and what Mueller and his team can't talk about publicly was that they thought that there was some sort of coordination between Manafort and Stone with WikiLeaks and or um, the Russian IRS who was doing this hacking and that they couldn't prove it because Manafort and Stone decided not to flip. And that's why they threw the book at those two guys because that's what you do. It's this is, you know, it's a it's a standard procedure so you can we can extrapolate very simply what Mueller thought was going on and why he went after those two guys and and 6e will show that because that's why grand jury that testimony is sealed is because they're asking those questions directly to people under the grand jury to see what answers they get and and they didn't they never gave them up or it wasn't really there but um you know, I, you know, my bets are that they are because they have some other in evidence that pointed them there. I don't think they just pulled that out of that, out of a hat. So, you know, that's really where I think it's going to hit. And it's always going to hit when it gets to that point. And if one of those two guys decides that they finally can't take it anymore, they finally wake up in a cell after being beaten up and crying or unconscious like Epstein did. Um, which is, 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 is possible. Why uh, Manafort was going to be sent to Rikers. You know, I mean, those things happen at some point he can end up turning again, which is what I think, you know, Mueller thought was the key to his case all along, as far as collusion or obstruction of justice or conspiracy. It was, it was there. So I don't know. That's, that's, that, that's my take on Mueller and really the reaction. So 
Yeah, you make you make a lot of really good points. Um, just one minor thing I want to say about corporate mainstream media, what makes me believe there are elements of it that want to see this monster back in office, because several years ago, now disgraced former CBS chairman Les Moonves made this infamous statement, Trump may be bad for America, but he's good for our business. And everybody was laughing in the room. They thought it was funny. And again, it may be because they thought, oh, there's no way in hell this creep's going to win. Well, they were wrong. And of course, what no one could have known then was there were elements within the Trump campaign that were, you know, colluding with, yes, I'm using that word, cooperating with Russian, you know, some Russian groups or government officials or someone yeah, you to know, you know, help yeah. swing certain, but certain then there, states in Trump's favor. But yeah, but then there has to be a direct correlation between someone like that and and on-air talent and and I, and I just don't know whether whether you know whether that would ever happen but you know it's it's you know you never can predict what what's going to happen in the news and so you know I, I think trying to keep him there is 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 one thing I you know the degradation of 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 media clicks and likes to these other elements and how he keeps undermining um uh, really, you know, mainstream media, for lack of a better term, you know, whatever that means these days, I guess, I guess the old established media companies, I think, um, you know, whatever that means to them, you know, I don't, I don't think that helps their business model. And any, any, any wise corporate manager wouldn't want to, you know, allow somebody that keeps degrading um, them. And as we saw, um, you know, you know, recently, uh, you know, Trump wants to open up, um, you know, you know, coverage of the White House to a lot of different other news organizations, which would take away their monopoly. And, and so, you know, there's a lot of different factors there. I think it's, you know, kind of, you know, anecdotal. I don't think there's anything there, um, you know, to really say that that's necessarily, you know, the case. Um, you know, and, and, and really, it's, it seems to me like I think they were just too close to it. You know, they, were, they, they just got spun like everybody else. You know, but then again, the, you know, that's my, you know, you, know, you know, idea. That's what I was thinking from the beginning when I was watching the coverage. It was they got spun. They knew about, about you know, because when they were coming out saying, well, we kind of heard that, you know, Mueller might not be as sharp as he used to be. Well, they never, you know, said that to anybody else. And I think it was just justification and validation to them. Um, but nobody called out just the, just the the fact that no one was caring. It seems like you know what happened, and then what happened in the Senate, um, you know, vindicated that afterwards. Um, you know, they tried to pass the election protection, and 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 no one cares. And and you know, I don't know, but I just don't think there's a connection between corporate America and, and the on-air talent and on these TV networks, and. You know, I mean, it might be good for business, but you don't know what's there next. You know, I mean, it's it's one of those things. And but anyway, um, you know, I guess we can kind of discuss it. It's just it's just hard to find that there'd be, you know, um, you know, besides corporate, you know, tax breaks, because, you know, Moonves might say that it's good for business, but he might mean it's good for his bottom line or it's good for his corporate bottom line because they gave a tax cut, which might go up if he loses. You know, some of those other things might really impact that because you can't really tell what's going to generate your traffic. And in this in this, uh, uh, you know, climate, we don't even know who's going to be around um, in five years. I mean, it, it might uh, all, all you know, we might live in the world of, of, of the of the film network where where news goes under uh, entertainment in the future. We don't we we don't know that, um, you know, but well, it, 
be, yeah, I I stand by what I said earlier. Sorry. No, I you just, can always you, so. you you can stand by it as much as you want, but I'll keep standing by and that you know. It's kind of sounds like a conspiracy theory, um, but not, uh, I'm not making it a conspiracy theory. I don't think it's it's quite that dark. I think it's just a matter of, you know, profits and ratings, and not what really is in the United States' best interest. And it you know it doesn't matter now. Here here we are, uh, and I again there are numerous media outlets that are doing stellar work on exposing the corruption inside this administration, and you know they deserve. So much applause for it. All right. Uh, you want to move on to Dan Coates' departure? Uh, seems yes. like we're losing the DNI, and uh, maybe he's going to be replaced by, um, you know, one of the main guys who kind of uh, threw Mueller under the bus last week. Well, attempted to throw Mueller under the bus. I don't think he succeeded either. But he was auditioning for Trump. He that did, but the apparent. bus just drove right over him. How about that? He threw him under the bus, but the bus just drove over him. Fair enough. Okay. So, yeah. But we're, we're, we're talking about Ratcliffe of Texas. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, Go ahead. So, well, just that basically anybody who was, again, following the hearings and listening to Ratcliffe question Muller, which I'll, I'll give Ratcliffe credit for being articulate and being smart and sort of weaving a thread. That's something people like Louis Gomer and Jim Jordan are simply not smart enough to do. Uh, that being said, I, you know, he, he just, it looked like he was overzealous and it honestly looked like he was somehow really going the extra mile for Trump. And now we know why, because Trump is going to have him replace Dan Coates, who is a highly respected, you know, admired uh, leader in that group and the national intelligence director. And Ratcliffe has absolutely no experience with this whatsoever that I've seen. If somebody wants to point out uh, otherwise, to me, then fine. But I, I just you've got, you've got to wonder why on earth Trump is doing this. And the only logical explanation is is because Ratcliffe went ahead and you know tried to smear Mueller to to please Trump, and now he's getting rewarded for it. Um, Coates submitted a letter of resignation on Sunday, and it was a rather terse one. It certainly did not go out of its way to praise Trump. Uh, Coates has clearly been very unhappy since Trump got into office. Uh, he has, you know, told uh, Congress on numerous occasions, you know, our systems are under attack. This is a problem. And, you know, Trump couldn't care less about it. He didn't say that because he couldn't. But he's broken publicly with him on several fronts, including testimony about North Korea, about Iran and Syria. For example, he told, uh, you know, the Senate earlier this year that North Korea was most likely not going to give up its nuclear weapons. So all of Trump's chief stunts including walking over the DMZ and shaking hands with Kim, you know, that seemed, you know, that went nowhere. Uh, he's also said, Coates has said, now Iran's not yet seeking a nuclear weapon and that the Islamic State remains a powerful force in Iraq and Syria. Now, Iran, you know, we just, given we pulled out of the deal, that's pissed off the mullahs in Iran. I'm no fan of theirs. So it's, it's just unclear where any of that's going to go. Uh, certainly seems now like the Iranian government would have an excuse to say, hey, we're not going to deal with you anymore. We don't have to do anything, you say. Um, which is not good for anyone, might I add. Certainly not Iran. But, you know, Trump has insisted numerous times, oh, I've gotten rid of ISIS. Well, no, you haven't. They're still causing trouble in Iraq and, and Syria, as Coates already said. So he contradicted Trump on more than one occasion. And this is the departure of somebody who 
has integrity. You know, the last person who left was Jim Mattis, the defense secretary, because he couldn't take it anymore. Even Rex Tillerson, who I think in general was a mediocre secretary of state, but at times seemed to be making sense. Uh, you know, he left some time ago. So there, there's basically nobody around Trump anymore other than his main sycophants. And, you know, there was some talk that Trump was trying to get Rep- Representative Devin Nunez of California to replace his coach. And it's interesting that he backed off on that. I think because Nunez is so radioactive now, uh, this is a guy who's, you know, congressman up, up in a conservative part of California and didn't win by a whole lot last time, might I add. So there's sort of a sense people are getting a little tired of all the drama around him. But I, I suspect even Trump had been told Nunez is probably not going to work at all, so don't, don't even try this. Ratcliffe isn't a name a lot of people know, and so, you know, but he's obviously a good enough prostitute for, you know, Donald Trump that he'll, he'll give him this job, even though he doesn't have an ounce of experience to back it up. Um, and this is just, this causes a lot of concern, John, because I, I'm sorry, I have no confidence that this man is going to do anything in the best interest of the intelligence community or the U.S. security, for that matter. And, and what it honestly looks like, and other analysts are saying this, it's not me. I'm certainly not a foreign security, you know, expert. I only know what I know from, you know, observing things. But just that it looks like Trump, by picking this guy, is just consolidating his personal control over the intelligence community. He's got Barr in his corner, who's not even RAG. He seems like he's just working for Trump. He's got, you know, cooperative CIA and FBI directors. Uh, you know, although, again, you, you've got to wonder sometimes whether or not Chris Ray and uh, of the FBI and Gina Haspel of the CIA, particularly like working for Trump, I get the feeling they don't, but they're just trying to do their jobs as best they can. But but nevertheless, this is just to me another example of Trump trying to amass a lot of executive power with absolutely no oversight, and that's not a good thing. So you know, I, I'll be shocked if Ratcliffe does anything of any use while he's in this role. Yeah. Um... Of course, nonpartisan is what it should be. Um, that 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 job Absolutely. should be nonpartisan. It obviously isn't um, going to be if um, if if Radcliffe gets confirmed, which I think is under a little bit of doubt. I think um, at least right now, no one's really knows exactly because everyone's getting out of Washington D.C. right now. Um, you know, but for me, it 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 brings me back. I think to um, and. It, you know, there's a multitude of difficult um, ramifications that came up after September 11th. And I think those reforms, the, the changing of government that happened where the DNI was introduced, uh, Department of Homeland Security um, was created, uh, what they did with Customs and Border Control, ICE being formed, um, all done very quickly. I don't think they were done very intelligently. Um, and, you know... You know, God help us if Trump has to take it on. But um, that was one of the things that I think that, um, you know, uh, the Obama administration, you know, missed out on, you know, not because they were negligent, just because, you know, they couldn't get to it either. Um, and, and I think they were kind of feeling it out. I think it really became evident, um, I think, late um, in Obama's second term that some of these things weren't working out right. Um, and I think the same is true with DNI, you know, uh, but it's there. Um, you have to um, have someone there who's who's doing the job right. Um, but, you know, I think that they were trying to, you know, scapegoat 
you know, that we needed this position in order, you know, if we would have had that before things would have been different. Um, and I don't, I don't necessarily know that was the case. I just think they were, you know, trying to point to something and then say, Hey, we did something about it. Um, you know, so that's my, you know, soapbox speech on, on, on really the office. Um, you know, but we're not going to be able to change anything about that right, right now. I just hope that the Senate doesn't confirm him. Um, you look at somebody who's really inside, um, or somebody who is, you know, finally, if Trump can reach for someone, um, who he will listen to and, and really take information, not use his gut as we talked about, you know, how's that North Korean thing working out for you? One of the things we didn't mention, you know, they launched a, a missile, um, over the weekend or, or late last week, I can't remember exactly what day it was. Um, so nothing's really changed there, as we know. You know the, the you know the situation in Iran. But if you know he doesn't start listening to to the experts, it really doesn't matter who's in there um, because he's not going to listen to them anyway. Um, you know, so although I would like to see the Senate do it, I I, I really don't know what difference it's going to make. Um, you know, we've had these, you know, some decent people, you know, you, you talked about Mattis, we're talking about Coates, um, which really didn't come in with, you know, the greatest resume at all. But compared to Ratcliffe, you know, he's, he, you know, he, he was perfect for the job. Um, he ended up, you know, at least being there speaking truth to the president, you know, whether he wanted to hear it or not. But, you know, I, you know, ultimately, until Trump isn't the president, and we don't get a, an adult in that job. It doesn't matter who the DNI is. It doesn't matter who's running CIA. It doesn't matter um, because he's going to listen to what he wants to listen to or what his political calculations tell him he should, you know, for the good or the bad of the country. Um, as we know, what happened in Iran, backing out of the Iran deal is just because it, it fed more meat to his base. It, 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 it took down something that Obama did, you know, whether it was good or not, uh, and which it really was not, um, you know, to back out of that deal. Um, then, you know, but he did it anyway. So, you know, it's, it's another one of those things, just like, you know, the Cummings, um, you know, and we're going to get to that later. Um, you know, but some of this stuff you just have to ignore and just go, Hey, we just got to hope and pray that we make it to November, 2020 and he gets defeated. And, and really ultimately, no matter what else happens, that's the check. And, and, and hopefully the American people check him at the ballot box, if nothing else. Well, that's that's true. I, you know, I, I agree with everything you said. I just think, again, it, you know, Donald Trump is not interested in anybody with any real experience or, you know, legitimate in, integrity. He's simply interested in people who will kiss that very fat rear end of us and do whatever he says to the detriment of our country. There you go again, I, Karen. You know, I, you I think, unfortunately, Radcliffe is up. Was auditioning for him the other day, and he's getting his job. Yeah. So you know, hang on, everybody. And I never really have any disagreements with you on this podcast, really. Ultimately, uh, you except, are more than welcome except, to, and I, I I welcome disagreements from people listening to it. But by all means, I just have to make this one point that you know, if we can somehow not have any sort of visualization of Donald Trump's butt. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry, folks. That does make you lose your lunch. My apologies to everybody. Big fat ass. Will require therapy. I saw him in the locker room, and it was a hey guy. Okay. Um. (laughs) Oh man. Sorry. You know we have to laugh laugh a little. Something right. I mean, you know, because I just saw his face as two cheeks. Um. But anyway, let's just. (laughs) Okay. Let's um. 
let's let's quickly jump across the pond. Um, and you know, no, we're not going to be talking about Megan and Harry. Although I wish I could, <laughs> I wish I could expunge them from from every um, sort of news I see. Because if I don't care about anything more, I, I you know, there's anything I care about the least. It's the royal family. I really have no <laughs> care whatsoever. Um, but anyway, so we have Boris Johnson here, the man um, who some call um, Trump with an accent, uh, Trump with a forward pulled haircut. Um, probably, you know, and I hate to do this, but you probably their back ends probably look a lot the same. Um, but he is now the UK prime minister. Um, the guy really pushed, uh, you know, Brexit, um, you know, who knows, Russian asset, who knows? I don't know. Um, but he's now the UK PM. He says they're doing Brexit no matter what deal, no deal. Um, I don't know if you had also seen, you know, they'd spent, uh, you know, he's supposedly trying to authorize the largest uh, public relations campaign since World War II in order to sell the UK on no deal. Um, you know, this just seems like, uh, I don't know, uh, the attack on Western civilization is unending. It's hard sometimes not to feel that way. Um, I, again, you know, Britain which has been for many decades our staunchest ally, our closest friend internationally, obviously our relationship, you know, being 300 plus years old and certainly at times a highly complicated one. I believe we did have a war with this country once, uh, but nevertheless, and as somebody who's traveled to the United Kingdom several times and in general is a huge fan of of Britain and the British people and, and the people of the UK, because it's obviously not just England, it's Scotland, Northern Ireland and Wales, all very, you know, different, interesting parts of the country with their own, you know, languages and, and customs and culture and accents, certainly um, very different politically as well. <clears throat> but it just, you know, Brexit was troubling from the start. And we've obviously, we've talked about this. We've talked about the, the gamble David Cameron, you know, attempted and that ended his career, that Theresa May inherited this and frankly didn't do any better of a job. Although in fairness to her, she was not in favor of it, but she kind of adopted the party line and it cost her everything. Um, and now you have a guy who, again, was sort of Donald Trump as a political figure before Trump became a daily nightmare for this country. Uh, just loud, obnoxious, uncouth, although the difference between Johnson and Trump, Johnson's actually pretty smart, despite his vile remarks, doesn't excuse them. But this is a guy who is well-educated, so you know he knows better. Um, But it seems like he's just as transactional as Trump is and simply interested in whatever will advance him at at the expense of his home country. I, I just, it's, you know, I, and frankly, it was a done deal several weeks ago that he was going to become the prime minister. He had the backing of the conservative party. Uh, I believe the next election for the country is 2021. So then the British people in mass will have a chance to, to either, you know, hopefully vote him out. Um, but this is a guy who's going to, you know, plow forward without any real plan in terms of the UK properly exiting the EU, which is going to have... Most likely, let's hope not, but horrible economic consequences for that country. And, and in the long run, you know, again, I, 
people think what happens in another country never affects me. Well, sometimes it does. And I'm not just talking about a, a terrorist attack or something like that. Sometimes another country's economy has ripple effects that start hurting ours. That's why we worry about the Chinese economy, you know, for starters. And certainly the EU, which right now is pretty fragile. And there are a lot of reasons for that, some of which are the fault of EU leadership, without question. Um, but it, these things matter, and we can't simply tune them out. So this is extraordinarily troubling. If, if the UK can't get out of, of this without some kind of firm deal that's going to keep that economy on a solid footing, I, I really I don't even want to think about how bad it could get. And, and when you have somebody who espouses racist, sexist views the way Johnson has, again, it's a really toxic mi mixture. And by all accounts, when you look at polls, people seem to hate him as much as Americans hate Trump. So, again, you've got this corrosive, toxic feeling going on in a country when it needs someone to actually properly lead it. And if they're going to do Brexit, okay, although I think most would agree now, it's time for just a second vote on this. But if they're going to do it, then it needs to be done by somebody who really has the best interests of the UK at heart. And yes, to some degree, believe it or not, of Europe itself, because the UK and Europe do have so many ties. So I, you know, it was just depressing when Johnson was named the PM because you get, you just, you, you are not assured of a good outcome or even you, you really don't have any hope of a good outcome from this because this is another guy who I won't say maybe he may not be as malevolent as Trump is, but he sure damn well comes close. Yeah, you know, I mean, you mentioned that, that uh, you know, Johnson is probably smart, um, you know, but there's a difference between, you know, knowing that there's there wasn't airplanes in the 18th century, like Trump made a mistake on July 4th. Um, you know, he might understand that. He might know facts, but it doesn't make him, you know, smart as far as, um, uh, you know, knowing right from wrong. Um, a lot of people who are smart have, have wrong opinions on things. Um, but again, you know, it's all your perspective and everybody's allowed to have their own opinions. Even, even people who are uh, misogynists, I will defend their right to be so, um, whether I agree with them or not, because right. that's, that's the system we live in. We can't, you know, I yes, mean, it is. you know, without going to the Marine Dowd, um, you know, purity test article, which came out this weekend, <laughs> um, you know, which, I agree and disagree with but at the same time. But, you know, we have to understand that these people are allowed, um, you know, to have this. And just because, you know, somebody might not agree with somebody else's thoughts, they're allowed to be there. Um, so, you know, but I don't necessarily know if Johnson's smart or what his what his motivations are. Um, you know, I just always the reason why I don't like uh, Brexit is because, um, you know, I think there's a real um, that it was a real sense of progress um, to start at EU and, and to realize that, you know, you're kind of these interconnected countries. You're very small compared to modern day countries that you're competing against. And it made it really made a lot of sense economically um, for that region to 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 join together in order to you know have common defense, to have a common currency. Um, again, an, another big thing that the UK never did is they never adopted the euro. That was always a you know a point of contention um, when they were going to do that. Um, you know, but as we know, it's really the xenophobia which really kind of drove Brexit. I think a lot of the people that voted for it wanted to be able to create their own immigration policies, some of those other things that they felt like were taken out of their hands by the EU. 
Um, and, 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 you know, but it's, it, it was progress. I really think, you know, we can't have the feeling that, you know, people coming together is always good and, and, and Europe coming together is one. I think, you know, I just generally felt like it was, it was progress and it was good, um, you know, for those reasons. And to see that sort of disintegrate a little bit, especially if when you, you lose the UK, it's as big as losing, you know, you know, trying to have an European union without Italy or France. I just don't think it's possible now, you know, you lose Belgium, um, you know, that's, you know, you know, I, I, I don't really want to, you know, uh, you know, attack those folks, but it's really, it's not as symbolic as it is to lose one of those three major uh, countries. Uh, you know, so I, you know, I just hope that they're able to work something out. I think, you know, things will, will, will be able to be um, uh, handled, I think, and worked out, smoothed out over time. I don't think it'll be the end of the world. I just think it's, it's really a shame. And, you know, we've talked about on this podcast before that it, it really felt like Brexit and that whole thing had that same interference from foreign governments that want to see the West weakened. And and we know that there was foul play done during that election as well. And, you know, it and, and Johnson's there now running the UK and Trump is now running the United States. And it seems like all these leaders and these policies haven't really just been done in these countries. And in these worlds we live in, it's even more important, I think, that, you know, countries join together. And, and you know, but that's my own, my own, my, my own opinion. And, and, and I'm sure people will disagree with that, too. But um, when you have a government um, like what goes on in Russia, really trying to sanctioning, um, bringing other countries down, um, this is what you get. And, and this is what the result is, fractured societies and, you know, people at each other, um, not being able to find the common um, features that, that, that make us great, but identifying the things that differentiate us and why we shouldn't love or, or, or and why we should hate one another. Um, you know, and it's a, it's a stretch um, on, on, on how we can get there from here with our fractured society. Um, you know, and again, even I've used social media in this podcast and I've sworn that I'm no longer going to say it because it's not media. It's, it's just social networking. But you can network socially now across the world, across the country. And the way that these networks all work is you can have, if you have enough fake users, it'll be, it'll be predominant. And that's what's happened. And, and, and you know, and we're reaping those, re, those, those, those poor rewards of it. Um, so, you know, it's a sad thing. I think you're just seeing Johnson there is, is, is not really what I ever wanted to see, but there it goes. And we're going to have to live with it. And, you know, it's up to us. Um, you know, uh, Jefferson said every democracy, every Republic is only as strong as the generation that, that is, uh, executing it. And, and this generation has done a poor job, um, executing it. And mainly because they're buried in Facebook, they're buried in Twitter, and they don't understand, um, and, and, and everybody that, that spends too much time on these social networking sites, I think gets splintered and, and it's, 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 it's a sickness. And until people decide to get off of them, it's never going to get any better, but that's my two cents on this. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Right. Well, you, again, you, you, you say a lot of, you know, very thoughtful, important, Things. I mean, I just back to Johnson real quick. I mean, there are clips of him admitting 
But he doesn't have the faintest idea in terms of what's in the general agreement with the EU regarding tariffs and trades. Okay, I know. Boring, boring stuff. However, he's also been claiming that this is why he wants Brexit to happen, yet he doesn't know what the heck he's talking about. Yeah. I, I just, you know, good luck, good luck, Britain. I, yeah. I just, I so can't not very smart. That. Not very smart. Maybe smarter than Trump, but not very smart. Not, not a hell of a lot. And I just, I, the only thing you make, you know, you talk about social media. I, I think not just for the U.S., but I think for a lot of Western democracies, some more so than others. I, I think, frankly, again, people have taken democracy for granted. They've gotten too comfortable. They have, you know, tuned out real news. And this has been going on for decades. We're not just talking about since Trump or, you know, or even five years ago. We're talking about 30, 40 years of this now. And sadly, some like Trump and Johnson are the result of it. So if nothing else, and, and certainly there seems to be a lot of strong opposition among the UK populace to Johnson, you know, and I suspect it's, it's he's in for a rocky ride, no matter what. But I, I think if nothing else, that is waking people up to the fact that they can no longer just be bystanders to our democratic process, or our republic for that matter, that they've got to play in a role in it. And that starts obviously with voting, but knowing what's going on and and giving a damn, that's half the battle. So... At any rate, I just my heart goes out to the British people, and uh, you know they most of them deserve better too. <laughs> well, let's move over to, um, and I want to I want to stay on this very, you know, quickly. Our last topic here, I, I you know I kind of want to stay on it for, for for you know for not very long. I'm going to give you your time, and you can say whatever you want. But I just want to say my two cents on it is what I had seen over and what I had heard. Um, you know, from others, and I think it's kind of, you know, informed my opinion on it, um, is that it's a form of distraction. We came out of um, impeachment, um, out of out of out of the Mueller testimony. Impeachment was on the fore. Trump goes out and says what he says, <clears throat> and all of a sudden all the news shows are talking about racist Trump, and nothing is going to make a difference. People know that. Um, it's not going to change anybody. Um, the, the Republican folks are going to still defend him or just be quiet until it passes. Um, and they know that it's just deflection. And, and you know, obviously, um, from all that I've ever uh, heard about Elijah Cummings, which is a long time, you know, I've been watching, you know, reading in the news since the uh, 80s. Um, you know, you know that the guy can be respected. I've never heard a bad thing about him besides just, you know, maybe some kind of political argument. Um, you know, but he's, he's one of those guys that's been a public servant forever. Um, what happens in inner cities is not, doesn't really have anything to do with Congress people. Um, what happens in some areas, we don't have a equal system. You can have billionaires and you can have people that are homeless. And when you have situations like that, and we have the society that we have, you're going to have places that aren't the greatest things to look at. And if you want to focus on it and point at somebody and say it's Elijah Cummings' fault, it's wrong. It's just deflection. It's disinformation. It's it's horrible. Um, you know, what that says about Trump is the same old crap it always said about him. You know, we know. Um, and the last thing I want to say is I wish that finally um, news media, mainstream media, anybody would finally come together and say, we are not going to use Twitter as a source 
anymore. Then we don't have to pay attention to this stuff. You force Trump to go back to the briefing room. You force him to put out at least press releases or do something else that you decide you're going to really, uh, you know, cover or not. You want to let these these third rate um, uh, media empires go ahead and, and quote Twitter. You let them do it. But for for what really matters, it's chasing that Twitter thing. Where now even the newspaper of record here in Arizona will do stories based upon other people's stories. They we they will do stories based upon Twitter feeds, which it, it just you can't believe it. It's it's so too easy for people to do disinformation and to make this work and to and to just really subvert the information stream. Uh, and that's what I would love to see. I would love to see, you know, respected journalism outfits say, we're not doing this. I mean, you know, you know that I do a lot of freelancing for a, you know, uh, a, a unknown B2B. You know, we, we will keep them uh, unnamed on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I do some freelancing work for an unnamed B2B publication. They won't take Twitter comments. But you go to um, the Washington Post, you go to the New York Times, you go to CBS, you go to all these other places, and they have somewhere along the line accepted that that's okay. And and that's also part of the result we have. If no one would cover, at least in the large and supposedly credible journalistic organizations wouldn't cover these things, we wouldn't have the, the uh, tail chasing the dog, which is what we have. And... That's it. That's all I got to say. I, I have nothing else to say, but you know, when I've been to Baltimore, it's a nice city. I love the crab. Um, and you know, there's, there's good and bad, like in every city, you know, talking about rats, um, Donald Trump comes from New York. I've seen more rats and subways in New York city than I've seen anywhere else I've ever been. And you know, you yeah. want to go on a subway at midnight, you will see rats in New York city all over the subway. That's it. Thank you. Your turn. Well, Regarding this whole dust up between Elijah Cummings and Trump, and and of course the reason Trump went after Cummings, once again there's his transactional nature, basically because Cummings is overseeing an investigation into the use of private email by Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump, yep. two of of, of uh, you know the administration people, neither of whom has any business. Being anywhere near there. Yeah, doing public work uh, and, on a and, private and, server or on private email. Right. Gee, funny, I recall a certain political yeah. figure getting raked yeah. over the coals for years on end over that. What was her name? Uh, Gosh, was it like Hillary or something? Oh, yeah, that's right. Hillary Clinton. and uh, Lock her up. Also, yeah, lock her up. Um <laughs> But what's interesting about this, too, their, you know, corruption aside, Kushner's family has a history of slumlord. You know, they have a history of being slumlords, and that includes in apartment buildings in Baltimore that the Kushner family owns. So make no mistake, this is just, you know, Trump trying to change the subject from the fact, you know, his son-in-law has, again, has slumlord ties. And that his daughter is, was doing the exact same thing, and so was Kushner, that they ripped up Hillary Clinton for, which is beyond hypocritical and morally and intellectually bankrupt, but that's what that family's best at. And I'm talking about the Trumps, by the way. Um, you know, there was a great editorial from uh, on the Baltimore Sun website. Again, one of its editorials, not just 
an opinion piece, and I would urge everyone to read this. I'm, I'm going to read a paragraph of it. I'll try to make this quick because it's just beautifully done. And it comes obviously from the heart and with the passion of people who work and live in Baltimore and care about that city for whatever problems it may have. And, you know, I've got news for people. Big cities and red states have problems too, quite a few of them. And that doesn't make them bad places at all. Uh, but back to this editorial. Finally, we would not think to name calling in the Trumpian manner or ruefully point out that he failed to spell the congressman's name correctly. It's Cummings, not coming. We would tell the most dishonest man ever to occupy the Oval Office, the mocker of war heroes, the gleeful grabber of women's private parts, the serial bankrupter of businesses, the useful idiot of Vladimir Putin, and the guy who insisted there are quote-unquote good people among murderous neo-Nazis, that he's still not fooling most Americans into believing he's even slightly competent in his current posts or that he possesses a scintilla of integrity. Better to have some vermin living in your neighborhood than to be one. Right there, I predict, John, that editorial is going to win the Pulitzer Prize. <laughs> that sums up Trump perfectly. And a million kudos to whoever wrote it. Yep, I agree. So... Let's, uh, yeah. you know, with with that, let's wrap up this podcast because I don't think we can say anything better after that one. Uh, no, we cannot. <laughs> Karen, you're awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you. I uh, don't know about that, but uh, you're pretty damn cool yourself, and I, I deeply appreciate the support we get from people in the Modern Times community, whether they agree or not. Always welcome hearing from people who don't agree. And just to ask everybody to take a moment, please, to think about, you know, the men and women and young children who died this week in completely needless acts of violence and to uh, keep them in your prayers. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk at you next time. Thanks, Karen. Thank you, John.